Good morning, Bridge Church. Would you stand with us? We're going to worship the Lord this morning with goodness, with gladness, no complaints. We're going to leave all distractions outside. Amen. This is a day that you have made. Never comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. Let's lift it up. I give
we thank you for that. Would you join in with us as we sing this? Come on. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Come on, we all sing. You are here.
on, church. Let's just worship in this moment together. this morning that the Lord is in this place. Are you thankful for that today? You know, right now in this time of praise and worship, the thing that we are called to do, the highest thing that we can do is just to praise and honor our God for who he is and all that he's done in our lives. I feel so strongly this morning like God wants to reawaken some dead dreams in people's lives today. I believe he wants to speak some new dreams to people today who have given up on the old dream pray that this morning God will meet you right where you're at. You know, as we've sang the words to that song, the words say, would you meet me here again? I think sometimes we come into the house of God and we have a here again moment. And sometimes we feel like, here I am again, God. And it can feel a bit routine. I believe that if you came into this house today and maybe routine was what you came in with, I believe God wants to speak to you in a new way this morning. Maybe you're here and You feel like you've failed so many times that when you walk back into the house of God, your here again moment is here I am again, God, imperfect, fallen, made mistakes. You might not feel worthy this morning, but can I tell you, God loves you so, so much that he wants to meet you right where you are at today. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what your circumstances or your situation might be, but this is an opportunity for us to meet with our father in heaven who loves us, who is for us, who is with us, who has never left us. He's never forsaken us. And he wants to walk us into everything that he has for us. So right now in this atmosphere of worship, would you just lift your hands, just open your heart all across this place. Let's just invite God in to have his way in our life and in our situations. Father, we recognize today that we are your people. As we've gathered this morning in your house, we ask that you would have your way in our lives. God, we are your children and we might have ideas of what is best for us, but we look to you today, Father, knowing that your plan is better, that your ways are higher, that your thoughts are greater. And so today we submit our lives to you. God, I pray for the people that might've come into this place feeling defeated because of sin, because of mistakes, because of failures. We take all of that and we lay it down at the foot of the cross today. And we say, Jesus, come in and cleanse us and have your way in our lives. Father, for the person who has come into this house today and it all feels routine, I pray that you would meet them in a new way, bring a new word in season for where they are today that would meet them, that would lead them, and that would guide them into all that you have for their lives. Father, we choose not to look back at where we've been, but we choose to look ahead at where you are calling us to go, knowing that it is greater and it is better. We trust you with our lives. We give you everything inside of us, and we ask again that you would have 
your way in our lives and in your church in this place today in Jesus name and everybody said amen come on let's give our God praise one more time come on let's give him the praise that he is due in this house today amen anybody happy to be in the house of God this morning what a good day it is Wow, you look good. So, so good to spend the morning with you. So glad to worship alongside you just to bring our best to God and lay it all at his feet today. You look fresh today. I know that last week you lost an hour of sleep, but today you look good. You look fresh. You look like you came ready to worship and receive from God today. And we're thrilled that you are here. Thank you so much for choosing to be in church today. Listen, just a couple quick things before you grab your seats. We're so glad that you're here today. I've already met some families this morning that have told me, hey, this is our first time back in church in person in a few months. And we are so glad that you are here. And if you have your kids with you, we want to say welcome. Welcome all the families, all the kids who are in service with us right now. We also want to welcome everybody that's watching online this morning. We're thrilled that you are here. And let me just say to everybody, all the families in the house, we know the Bridge Kids happens during our 11.30 a.m. service. And on Easter Sunday, we'll be opening all of our services with Bridge Kids. But we just want to let you know that right now we do have a family room that's available to you also. You can just exit straight through those side doors right there and you'll find the family room to your left if that's convenient and comfortable for you. But if your family wants to stay in this morning, that's great. We're happy to have them and we're glad that you are are here. So before you're seated, why don't you turn around, say hi to somebody, give them a wave. If you're comfortable, give them a handshake. You can give them a hug if you want. We are so glad that you are here today in church. family and welcome to church. We are thrilled that you're here today and we hope that you and your family enjoy our time together. We are believing that 2021 is going to be a great year and we want to spend it with you. So find your place, get connected, and let's do life together. Here's a look at what's coming up in our church life. Easter Sunday is just two weeks away, and we are very excited to spend Resurrection Sunday with you and your family right here at the bridge. This year, we will have three services at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Easter is a great opportunity to invite your friends, family members, and your neighbors to church to hear the message of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. And we are also excited because Bridge Kids will be open during all three services. So invite the people in your world and make your plans to join us for Easter 2021 right here at the bridge. Our spring term of Connect Groups have launched. Connect Groups are a fantastic way to grow in your faith and build relationships with others in the church. We have a variety of different groups based upon age and stage of life, study topics, and special interests. Some groups are meeting in person, while other groups are meeting online. 
You can find descriptions, times, locations, and how to sign up at our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Just click the Connect tab. You can also get all the same information on the Bridge Church app. We hope you'll take advantage of these great opportunities to get connected here at the Bridge. If you are new to the Bridge, we would love to meet you and help get you plugged in. You are invited to join us at Connecting Point. Connecting Point is the place to hear the history, heart, mission, and vision of the bridge, but more importantly, find out where you fit in. If you'd like to come, it's happening on Sunday, April 11th during the 1130 service. And if you have kids, Bridge Kids will be happening during that service to serve them. We just ask that you register by going to our website or the Bridge app. We look forward to meeting you and helping you get connected on April 11th at Connecting Point. Hey, Kat. Hey, Mia. Hey, I have a question. What are you doing Friday night, April 16th? You know, probably watching Netflix, doing a little at-home Manny. (laughs) Okay, I got something way better. Come with me to our first indoor Bridge Women Gathering this year. Oh, that sounds fun. When was that again? Friday, April, wait. Take out your phone. Actually, why don't all you (laughs) girls take out your phone? right now and save the date. Friday night, April 16th at 7 p.m. right here in the auditorium. Count me in, do I need to register? Good question. This is a free event, but registration is required. All you have to do is go to thebridgechurch.tv and register there. Oh, and did I mention free childcare, infant through fifth grade? (laughs) Sounds good to me. I'll see you there. (laughs) I can't wait. We hope to see all you ladies there. If you're new to The Bridge, we want to do everything we can to help you get plugged in and find your place in this family. Just stop by the Info Center after the service and say hi to our team. They would love to meet you and answer any questions you might have about the church. You can also stay up to date with everything that's coming up by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. And for more general info, check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We are so glad that you and your family are here with us today, and now it's time to get into God's Word. Hey, Bridge Church, how you doing today? Oh, come on now, you can do a little bit better than that. Hey, Bridge Church, how are you doing today? All right. Hey, it's good to see you. Hey, if you're here for the first time at the Bridge, we want to send out a special welcome to you. Thanks for joining us today. We're aware there are a lot of great churches in the Valley. We're honored you're here with us. If you have any questions today, stop by our info center just out that first set of doors to the right. We can answer any questions you have. We just want you to know we're really glad that you are here with us today. And I'm glad to be here today. Ann and I last week were in Austin, Texas. Had a chance to speak at a church there for some dear friends, a young thriving church. And it was really, really fun being with young people, being the young man that I am. It was great to be among my peers um, and uh, anyway, I'll just leave that right where it's at. Let me, let me dive into God's Word. I'm, I'm so excited to get into God's Word because God gave me something last night that I, I've, I've been working on two or three messages at once. And last night, God gave me something totally different. And I'm really excited to share it with you today. Um, did you know a year ago this past week, was when we started the pandemic lockdown a year ago this past week. And what a year it has been. 
You know, I've said this probably 25 times from the pulpit in the last year. This has been the most unusual year of my life on many fronts. I've seen so many things this year I never thought I would ever see. I have heard so many things I never thought I would have ever heard in my life. There's amazing things happening in our communities, in our nation, and in our world. And we're living in strange times, unusual times, to say the least. And I'm not going to talk today about strange times and unusual times. But I want to I share something today that, that I think is really important because I do talk with a lot of people. Church people, people outside the church in the community. I have an opportunity to visit a lot of people. Uh, because of our traveling a little bit in ministry, I got to talk with a lot of people in Texas the last several days about what they're seeing and what they're sensing in this season. But let me get to a couple spiritual principles today because as we walk with God, we often find ourselves in a perplexing situation. We know that God sees us as his sons and daughters. If you don't know about that, go home and read Romans chapter 8. It's real clear. God sees us as his sons and daughters. And so we're trying to figure out, well, how do sons and daughters of God live and act? And how do we do life? We know that we're seen as the righteousness of God in Christ because God said so. Yet we're also very much aware of our own personal weaknesses, sometimes our mistakes, sometimes our failures. So we live in this world where we know God sees us this way, but we don't always measure up to everything that God sees in us. We know we're sanctified and set apart by God, yet there are areas of our lives that still need to be completed and perfected. Can I get just one bobblehead this morning? We know what that perplexing struggle is sometimes about. But sometimes in life, for many different reasons, weariness sets in. This last year, I, I'm amazed at how many people I've crossed paths with who are in a place of weariness. Sometimes in life it happens. We get weary. Let me take it one step further. Sometimes in life, we get injured. Boy, there have been a lot of people injured the last year. Their families, their children, the educational process, their finances, spirituality. A lot of things have happened the last year that have brought pain and injury into people's lives. And what usually happens is we find ourselves trying to push forward in our own strength. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The last year, I've learned more than any year in my life, this is a time to trust God's strength. We sang about it a few minutes ago. The Apostle Paul said, God's strength is perfected in our weakness. When we're weak, if we'll allow him to show up, God becomes strong. But a lot of times we just kind of try to keep pushing through and keep hammering on and say, I'm going to make it. You know, I'm strong, I'm tough. And we try to survive in our own strength. And all the while, we know we're just really not all that healthy. So today, I want to talk about this struggle. And more importantly, I want to talk about staying strong. Turn to somebody and say, you need to stay strong. I want to talk about staying strong 
in this unusual season in which we're living. And I want to share three principles today that I think can help us on our journey. And in, in a few minutes, we're going to start reading in Hebrews chapter 12. But I want to set this up for you today because I don't have time to read all the verses that I'd like to read. But Hebrews chapter 12 begins and we're told to set aside the sin and the distractions, the things that keep us from running the race to which God has called us. The writer says, set aside those things, the distractions, the things that knock us off track, the things that keep us from winning the race. We need to set those things aside. And then he goes on and says, we need to follow the example of Jesus, who is the creator and the completer of our faith. So we need to learn from Jesus, get in the race and stay in the race. But as we read through this chapter, what the writer begins to get to is the, the idea that God wants to help us stay strong. God wants us to stay strong. And then as we read a little bit further in, in these verses in the first part of this chapter, we read about the necessity. Everybody say necessity. We read about the necessity of accepting God's discipline. Accepting God's discipline. And depending on which translation you're reading from, you might see the word chastening, you might see the word correcting. But in the original writings, it's really talking about learning the discipline with which God wants us to live. Accepting the discipline of the Lord. And, and there's four things that it says here that I want to cover real quickly. First, it says life is not going to be without challenges. Has anybody in the house had any challenges the last year? Life is not going to be without challenges. But God teaches me his disciplines for my own good. God disciplines, sets me on his paths of blessing and protection. We also see that if I don't accept God's discipline, and this is not Gary's words, this is straight from Hebrews Chapter 12, if I don't accept God's discipline, I'm really not his son. It's quiet in this church all of a sudden. If I don't accept his discipline, the things he's trying to teach me, if I reject him and push him away and say, no, I don't need this, I'm basically saying, I don't want to be your son. Okay? Then the, then the next thing it says in the moment that we're learning discipline, those are not fun moments. Does anybody remember growing up and just loving it when your parents disciplined you? Wasn't it wonderful? How many love it when, when the boss at work now disciplines you? Isn't that a wonderful thing? How many love it when, when the government disciplines us? See, I'm, I'm going to make everybody mad this morning, okay? Let's go the whole side. How many are already ready to leave because the pastor is trying to discipline us? I know somebody at home said, I'm going to turn this thing off right now. I don't want to watch this. Stay with me, okay? You're going to hear some good things this morning. Discipline isn't always fun. But today there's three things that I really want to point to, three principles. And boy, God has burned this into my heart. Late last night and early this morning I was up preparing for this. We're going to read from Hebrews chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible, open up. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. Hebrews 12, look at verse number 12. The writer says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. 
Now, there's more to this statement, but this is the end of verse 12. Pause here a moment. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Okay, everybody look here for just a moment. You, you kind of get the illustration of this? Have you ever felt like that the last few months? Strengthen the hands that are hanging down and strengthen the feeble knees. The knees that don't want to take it. Every step you take, it hurts. Oh, I'm weak. I don't want to keep going. I just, uh, what am I going to do? Sometimes in life, for a number of reasons, we arrive at those places. But God is saying to us, he has disciplines. He has things to teach us about his nature and his ways that if we learn those things, it will strengthen us and help us move through this season. In other words, what he says is, if you're feeling like this, I want to help you feel like this. That's what he's saying. But see, here's the truth. I don't care who you are or what you are. I mean, I don't care how great your confession is. I don't care how many books you read by whatever author. There are times in life when you start feeling a little bit like this. Everybody has those moments. And what we need to understand is when we have those moments, it's a signal to us that God wants to strengthen us and teach us some things. You know, a major cause of weariness everybody say major cause a major cause of weariness is a lack of balance and discipline we get tired we get weary we run into some tough places because sometimes we don't have good balance in our lives happens to all of us it's a part of life we become weary, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we become weary. And when we are weary, we become vulnerable. We become vulnerable. We become careless. We make mistakes. We look for shortcuts. We try to find the easy way out. It's like the old saying, why is it that there's never enough time to do it right, but there's always enough time to do it over? It's that thing. We get in a hurry. We're going to take these shortcuts. Why? Because I'm weary. I've got so many things going on. And what, what we're really saying is I've not disciplined myself. I've not let God reveal to me what's really important and what's secondary. And I get things out of order in my life. And when I do that, it's going to create some problems. You know, we can become physically, mentally, emotionally weary. Now, let me give you an illustration of this. In the Old Testament, and I've preached on this on different occasions. Let me just refer to it. In the Old Testament, there's a story of Elijah, this prophet of God. He, he told the king, you're an evil king, you're an ungodly king, you're leading the nation in the wrong direction. They're going into idolatry. They've got false gods and idols everywhere. It's not going to rain until I say so. And for three and a half years, it doesn't rain. But what happens is the king decides he's going to kill Elijah. So Elijah goes into hiding. And there's a lot to the story, so I don't want to get into all of it. But Elijah goes into hiding really for three and a half years. I would imagine, having lived through what we've lived through the last year, 
to live through this for three and a half years would be really wearying. Can you imagine hiding for your life, fearing for your life for three and a half years? Can you imagine going to another country for a period of time and having somebody else take care of you because of the season you're in? You can imagine the weariness it would cause. But then after three and a half years, Elijah comes to Ahab, the king, and says, okay, it's time for a change. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a contest to find out who the real God is. So in one day, here's what happens. Elijah calls all the people of Israel together. Now, this is after three and a half years of hiding for his life. He calls the whole nation together to Mount Carmel, spends a whole day laughing at the prophets of Baal. They couldn't call down fire from heaven. And then Elijah steps forward and says, okay, you've had your time. It's evening time. It's my turn. Scripture says that he dug a trench, a big trench in a kind of a circle. He cut up the wood and rebuilt the altar of God. He killed a bull and cut it in pieces and laid it on the altar. And then he prayed and called to God and called down the fire from heaven. I mean, he did a lot. Then he went and killed about seven or 800 prophets of Baal. He himself did all this in one day. And then he went and prayed and prayed and prayed until he saw a sign from heaven. He sent to King Ahab and said, hey, you better get ready. The rain's coming finally. And then he, Elijah, after all of this, he runs about 20 miles and he outruns the king's chariot all the way to a city called Jezreel. All in one day. How many of you think you might have been weary at, that, at the end of that workload? And he gets to Jezreel and the word gets out. He's killed all these prophets of Baal, all this stuff. The king's wife, Jezebel, finds out about it and she sends a message to, to Elijah. I'm going to kill you just the way you killed my prophets. You know what Elijah did? Elijah said, I'm not afraid of you. I did all this other stuff. I can handle you too. No, he didn't. He ran for his life. You know why he ran for his life? Because he was weary. And then he, he goes a day's journey into the wilderness and starts saying, God, I just don't understand this. God, I've tried to serve you and everything's going wrong. Nothing's going right. I've been in hiding for three years and now the queen's wanting to kill me. God, I'm the only one serving you. Nobody loves you but me. Isn't it funny how pity party starts when you get tired? When you're weary, you really start feeling sorry for yourself. That's what happened with, with Elijah. And so what happens is he goes a day into the wilderness and he lays down and he goes to sleep. How many of you think that might have been a good idea after all he had just been through? He laid down to rest. An angel shows up, feeds him a meal. He lays down and goes back to sleep again because he was exhausted. Let me tell you something. When you get weary, when you get exhausted, when you get to the place where life is a drudgery and you don't know what to do next, you need to slow down and get your batteries recharged or you're going to run down a wrong road and make some mistakes. That's just the way it works. That's how life goes. You see, God, God has an answer for your physical, mental, emotional weariness. You know what it is? Rest. R-E-S-T. Rest. Rest. I was talking with a, a guy in the church. Um, what we, we mentioned it at men's meeting yesterday morning. There's a guy in our church. I've never known anybody wired like this guy. He sleeps four or five hours a night. 
and he goes like 19 hours a day. He's got 17 projects going at once. I couldn't do it. It would wear me to a frazzle trying to do what he does, but he's wired for it. But I'm going to tell you something. We're all wired differently, and we all reach a point that weariness sets in. And if you violate the laws of nature and you don't take care of your body and you don't get rest, don't think that it won't catch up with you because it absolutely will. Well, that's not very spiritual. I came to hear something spiritual today. You know what? For some people, that's the most spiritual thing you could ever hear. You need to take care of yourself and get some rest or you're going to have a crash. When I was a young traveling preacher, there was this pastor I met. He was my age. Um, God had placed him in a position where he, he was pastoring a really strong church, good-sized church. But this guy, he was really, he was wired differently. And he had this fire in him. It's like he was angry at the devil and he was angry at the church and he was angry at the world. And if you tried to talk to him, he'd get angry at you. This guy was just angry. And his motto was, I'm going to burn out for Jesus. I'm going to burn out for Jesus. I'm going to burn out for Jesus. I met this guy and I thought, wow, this guy's going 24 hours a day. He's got this fire in his belly, but it's angry. What is with this guy? I couldn't figure it out. About a year later, got news that this guy this friend distant friend but a friend had a total crash a total breakdown nervous breakdown went off the rails made some horribly stupid decisions wound up losing his position as pastor of the church damaged his family and was trying to hold it together although he was a broken man you know why that was he never found rest last year has been a stressful time for most people and a lot of people are carrying the stress and carrying the stress and carrying the stress trying to operate in your own strength I'm gonna tell you something when your body starts sending you signals you need to stop and rest and recharge your batteries physically mentally and emotionally you need to take care of yourself now I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know if the governor will like this, but I'm, I'm going to try to say it carefully. Pastor Gary gives you permission to take vacation. Go to the desert, rest a few days. Now, I know, I know I've, I offended somebody. Please forgive me. I'm going to talk about that in, a, in three or four weeks also. But, you know, you need vacation. You need rest. You need a break. Whatever charges your batteries. Who was that said amen back there? Somebody. She needs a vacation. She is ready to go right now. And I give you permission to go. How about that? And, and, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, but, but you don't know my circumstances. With my work situation, my job, I, I can't afford to take vacation. I can't take a break, a break and go somewhere and rest. I can't do that. Can I help you out with that today? Exodus 20. One of the big ten. How many know what the big ten are? Ten commandments. How many of you think that we should not use God's name in vain? It's one of the commandments. How many of you think that we should keep God first in our lives? How many of you think we should not have idols? How many of you think we should not commit adultery? How many of you believe we should not lie and steal? How many of you believe we should honor our parents? 
How many of you believe we need to take one day a week to rest? You lost about half the hands. <laughs> See, that's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And yet many of us have not disciplined our lives to take advantage of one day a week to recharge our batteries, to be in God's house, to be refreshed, to take care of our families, do the things that we need so that everybody stays healthy. That day was given to us by God. He worked for six days in creation. God himself rested the seventh day. Can I tell you something? I don't think God needed a nap. I think he took the seventh day to enjoy what he created and just relax and just take it all in. See, God told Israel in the Old Testament, it's one of the Ten Commandments, work six days a week, do what you need to do, but on the seventh day, you need to crash, take it all in, enjoy it, recharge your batteries, and get ready for the next week. This is good preaching. Well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. It's a discipline. Well, I don't know how I would do that. God will show you how. Get with somebody who's a time management expert they'll help you find a way to do it we can do this because god said you could you know what god told israel god said you do your work in six days a week and on the seventh day i'll take care of provision for the seventh day you don't worry about the seventh day i'll take care of the seventh day man i may just make a series out of this just stay on point one the rest of this sermon and then come back and get it later you need to rest and take care of yourself god gave you time to do that but let me go one step further. Not only can we become physically, mentally, emotionally drained and weary, we can also become spiritually weary because we don't balance life well. There's a story in, in, in Isaiah chapter 40. It's very familiar, so I won't have you turn there. But one day, God's listening to his people complain. <laughs> have you ever complained to God? I've complained a few times in my years. Um, I've complained a couple times this week. Uh, Isaiah 40, people are complaining. Here's what God says. God says, okay, Israel, why are you saying that I don't see what's going on? Why are you saying that I don't care? Why are you saying that all these circumstances have, have, have missed my, my, my vision? Why do you think I don't care about what's going on in your life? Why is that? He said, you may get weary, but I don't get weary. Even the youth, the young men, they may get tired of, of fighting battles and running. They may run out of strength. Everybody has a natural strength that can be spent. But God says, I don't ever get weary. But then he said this. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Now listen to me. The key here is the word wait. Doesn't mean that. It means wrap yourself around God and let God wrap himself around you. See what he has to say and let him read, lead you into a better pathway. To wait upon the Lord, it, it's like taking three cords and winding them together and braiding them together to make one rope that's stronger. 
To wait upon the Lord means to wrap myself around God's word, let God's word wrap around me, spend time with God, and let him refresh me and re-strengthen me. Let me tell you something. There's a story of Mary and Martha in the life and ministry of Jesus for a reason. One of those sisters was frustrated with the other because all she wanted to do was sit at Jesus' feet and listen to Jesus. And all she wanted to do was work in the kitchen. Let me tell you something. There's a time to work in the kitchen, and there's a time to sit at Jesus' feet. And if we don't do both, our lives are going to be messed up if we don't rest and sit at the feet of Jesus spiritually I'm going to get weary boy hope second service is louder than this rest in him it's interesting Psalms 23 everybody knows the 23rd Psalm the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want on and on it goes he makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, I, I just don't have time to rest. God leads you to green pastures and says, take a rest. Oh, I can't, God. I can't do that. You know, the shepherd can, can lead you to green pastures, but he can't make you lie down. He wants to. He tries to. But sometimes we struggle. He leads us to still peaceful waters. But sometimes we don't want to stay there. We want to run back to the battle. From time to time, God's going to lead you to a place of rest. You need to take advantage of it. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me tell you something. When the pressures of life get too heavy and you begin to struggle with life, it's time to sit down, lay everything aside, and get with Jesus and spend some time and let him encourage you. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Here's the point I want to make in all this. Weariness doesn't fix itself. Well, oh, I'm so weary with all I'm going through, but I'm going to keep running, and eventually I'm going to run through that wall, and I'm going to make it through that wall, and everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. You're going to hit the wall and crash and fall. Because rest is a principle of life that we need. Now, I've got about 12, 15 minutes to finish this. So I'm going to go really fast. So number one, weariness will not fix itself. You have to make a place of rest. Number two, let's go a little further. Hebrews 12. Some of you said, man, I, I can't believe you got out of, all of that out of the 12th verse. Well, we're going to hook it with verse 13 now. Let's read them together. Verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Verse 13. And... Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Number two, bad roads create unseen damage. Let me illustrate this to you. When I was a kid, I used to spend some of the summer uh, time with my grandparents in Northern California. And my grandfather and I would go fishing six days a week. Early in the morning we'd go fishing, late in the afternoon we'd go fishing, pretty much every day. Fishing was life. He was retired. I was there to do nothing but fish. That's what we did. But my grandpa had two cars. He had a car that he drove to church, to town, wherever he needed to go, and then he had a fishing car. And the reason he had a fishing car was because of some of the roads that we went down to get to the fishing holes 
I can remember times getting stuck in the mud. I told a story about one of them one Sunday morning. I remember getting stuck in the mud, and I was trying to push him out of this mud hole where the car was stuck. And he stepped on the gas, and it threw the mud all over me and just covered me from head to toe. He thought it was pretty funny, but I didn't think it was all that funny. I remember times going down these old dirt roads, and they're all rutted out, and boom, the bottom of the car hits bottom, the car bottoms out. A couple times we had to push off those high spots. My father had a gas station. A lot of times people would come in with problems, a leak in oil, this has happened, that's happened. You raise the car up in the air, you look underneath the car, and you've seen they've hit something in a road. They bottomed out somewhere, and it's tore a hole in the oil pan. The car's leaking, and it's going to burn the motor up if you don't fix it. Let me tell you something. When we choose wrong roads in life, when we choose bad roads, bad pathways, we're going we're gonna to bottom out in some places, and it's going to create some damage. We may look at the outside of the vehicle and say, well, it all looks okay to me, but underneath it's ripped, it's torn, and it's damaged, and it's not going to keep functioning like that. It just happens in life. Sometimes we choose roads that are not the best. But can I tell you something? God knows a better road. See, that's what this discipline of the Lord is about. It's God saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I know this stuff's all happening, and I know you're leaking oil, and you're not sure you're going to make it. Let me tell you something. I know a better road. We can get this fixed, but you got to get off that road that's tearing up the engine, that's destroying the vehicle. i got a better road for you. Isaiah 55, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. I've said this so many times, but some people still haven't totally figured it out. So let me give it to you again. When you see the word ways in the Bible, it always means highways or roadways or paths. When God says, my ways are not your ways, what he's saying is the roads I travel aren't necessarily the roads you're going to travel. My roads are better. They're higher. And if you'll seek me, I'll show you the better road. But boy, I get so busy figuring out my own pathways because I don't need God's help with this. I can figure it out for myself. I mean, there's some stuff I just am, I'm smart about. I know what to do. It doesn't always end well because my choices aren't always the best. Hebrews chapter 3, I won't have you turn there, but in Hebrews, it, it talks about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness and God's leading them along, and everywhere God leads them, they complain, they grumble, they cry. We don't want to go this way. We got a better way. We want to do it our way. We don't want to eat this. We don't want to eat that. We don't want to. They went on and on, and every place God led them, there was complaining and griping, saying, well, let's, let's just go back to the old life. We'd rather be slaves than be out here on this journey to a better place. They kept their grumbling and complaining. And, and the Lord called it in Hebrews 3. He called it a time of rebellion. And here's what he said. He said, I was angry with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways, my paths. They don't want to learn my paths. They want to do their thing and they want me to bless it and take care of all the stuff that happens and just keep going along like everything's cool when all the while I've been trying to show them a better pathway and they've rejected it. And he goes on to say this. God says, so I swore in my wrath that they would not enter into my rest. If the pathway's been tough and things aren't working out the way you think it should, 
Maybe you need to get in tune with God and figure out what his pathway is. Because God's pathways are pathways of blessing. And he wants to lead us. Psalms 23, he wants to lead us in the right ways, the ways of rightness for his name's sake. He wants to put his name on us and show us his paths so we can walk those paths and his blessings on us will be a message to the world around us. That's what God wants to do. But you know what, you know what opens the door for God's instruction? It's humility. Boy, the cry of my heart is, God, I don't want to be proud. I want to be humble. I know my sense of humor. Sometimes I come across a little edgy because I have an edgy sense of humor. And some people may think, well, he's, he's kind of a harsh dude. I'm really a pretty gentle guy if you get to know me. But you know what? I don't ever want to lose that desire to go bow down before God and say, God, I'm not sure where to go here. Can you show me your path? Because he answers that kind of prayer. He gives grace to those who are humble. Psalms 25 says this, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. Anybody who will come to God, God will teach him. In the next verse, verse 9 in, in Psalms 25 says, the humble he guides in justice. And the humble, he teaches his way. Man, if, if your pathway of life is not working out, get with God. Get with God. Get with his word. Spend some time with him. Humble yourself and say, God, I need help. Show me. He'll show you. He'll lead you. We say this all the time, Psalms 119, 105. God's word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It shows us where we are, and it shows us where we need to go next. God wants to show us his way. Years ago, I, I was, uh, I guess it was probably the, about 1990, 91, somewhere in there. I was playing in a softball league. I was a little bit younger in 1991 than I am today. I was playing in the softball league. I was playing in two leagues, actually, one on one night of the week and one on a Saturday morning. One Saturday, I'm playing shortstop on this team, and this guy hits a ball up the middle, and I'm going full tilt, and I stretch as far as I can, full speed, and the ball just hits the end of my glove and drops. And my next step is on top of the softball, and my ankle rolled over. Big time. I've had lots of sprained ankles. I mean, I rolled it big time, and I, I had all kinds of stuff going on there. They had to drive me home. I couldn't drive the car because my leg was all messed up. Next morning, I got out of bed about 5, 5.30, took a shower, got dressed, went to church to preach. And I preached like this. The next day, I got on an airplane, flew halfway across the country to go to a conference. Big auditorium, uh, parking, you know, big, I guess 5,000 seats, parking all around. I did this for three days. I didn't play softball for a month, but I did this. Finally, six weeks later, I began to get mobilized enough where I could run a little bit, start playing ball and doing some things. Here's what's interesting. Six months later, I had a friend who I played softball with, big, great, big, strong, powerful guy. And he's, he was a chiropractor. He said, you need to come see me. I said, okay. So I went to see him that week. 
And he did some little adjusting, you know, no big deal. But then he said to me, he said, why are you limping? I said, I'm not limping. He said, yeah, you are. I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. He said, I'm telling you, you're limping. Well, I had other people tell me I was limping. I said, no, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm not limping. He said, what's going on? And I said, nothing. And he says, did you ever get any treatment when you messed up your ankle? I said, no. I preached. That's my treatment. Get up and preach. That's, that's, that fixes everything. This dude laid me down on my stomach, took this stuff and put it on the calf of my leg. And he took the flat part of his big old strong hand and started mashing on my calf, rubbing a big knot out of that calf that I didn't even know was there. I mean, I, I, I screamed like a little girl. I promise you, I did. I, I'm, I'm fairly tough, but I screamed. I mean, I, I screamed like a little girl. He hurt me big time for about 10 minutes. My tears running down my face. It hurt so bad. But you know what? When he got finished, I wasn't limping. Now, let, let me go back to the scripture we're looking at. He says that that part that's been damaged, that needs healing, if you don't correct that, if you don't fix it, what's about to happen is you're going to dislocate it. It's going to create more problems. And the way to fix it is to get on God's better path. Well, we faith people, mm, I'm not going to hear that. No, I won't hear that. I won't hear that. We're the worst. And sometimes our faith can turn into foolishness. Not often, but sometimes. Because we think we can violate all the laws nature that God's put in place and it's not going to affect us. Hey, if you don't know me, I'm a faith guy. But I don't want to be foolish with my life. And here's what I've learned. Right paths bring opportunities for healing. If you're hurting today, if you've got some damage in your life and you're running down the road thinking, oh, everything's okay, it's all going to be all right, let me tell you something. You need to stop, get on a different path, get still for a while and let God heal you so you don't create more damage amen can i go one step further if you've got problems in your marriage don't think you can just keep doing the same dumb things over and over again and it'll fix itself you're headed for a disaster you need to get some help that's good now i'm out of time so let's look at the last point Because I'm going to do this one, this one really fast. Hebrews 12. Now look at verse 14. He says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. There's more, but I'm going to stop right there. This last point is this in life in life there will always be god in people we get to work out our relationship with god we get to deal with god if you want to be his children you're going to deal with god 
If you want to walk with him, you're going to deal with him. He's got laws. He's got pathways. He cares about you. He wants to be involved in your life. In this life, you're going to be dealing with God. But you're also going to be dealing with people. How many of you know people can be interesting? I was in Texas last week, and I got to preach about this. They're doing a series, and they gave me the topic. said, talk about people problems. Now, I could preach all week on that one. I mean, you got people, you're going to have problems. It's life. But there's three things in this passage I want you to notice real quickly. Number one, we're told to pursue peace with all people. As much as you can, avoid conflict, pursue peace. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. Not get my way, not declare I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Pursue peace. Find a peaceful solution to situations with people. Being locked up the way we've been the last year, been a lot of room for people stuff to happen. Pursue peace with people. Second thing he says is pursue holiness. It's talking about a right relationship with God, an honest, sincere relationship where God is involved in your life every single day. Desire, pursue a lifestyle of holiness and a lifestyle living with God. Pursue that. Pursue peace with people. Pursue the right life relationship with God. And then the last thing he says in there is avoid bitterness. Because if you harbor bitterness, it'll not just contaminate you, you'll wind up contaminating some other people too. Eventually, if I got bitterness here, it's going to come out here. Bitterness here will create conflict here, or it causes me to totally separate from some good relationships. Avoid bitterness. It contaminates many people. So in closing today, three questions. Are you weary? Are you wounded? And last of all, are you okay with people and God? I want to pray for you today. And like I said, I know I'm a little long, and I'm going to try and hurry through this, but I want to pray this prayer because it's really important. So I'm going to ask everybody here to bow your heads. Nobody moving for just a minute. I'm almost finished. While heads are bowed, nobody's moving. It's just between you and God. How many people here just slip up a hand and put it back down and say, Pastor Gary, I'm weary. I'm a little weary. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life. I'm weary. Raise your hand. Put it right back down. Yeah. Yeah. How many people raise a hand and put it down and say, Pastor Gary, I'm wounded. I'm wounded. I need to get something healed. Yeah. One last thing. How many people here would say, man, I got some relationships that are strained. Raise your hand. Put it down. I want to pray for you today. And whatever, whatever's going on right now, I want you to just start giving it to God. And let me pray for you. Father, in this house right now, you're drawing people to yourself. You're speaking to your children. God, I know there are people in this place who are weary today. God, we come to you. And number one, we ask that you would refresh us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. God, refresh us. But I also pray that while you're refreshing us, you will also speak to us about some adjustments, some disciplines that we need to add into our lives to keep a refreshing place in our lives. Speak to us today. 
Father, I pray for those who are wounded. God, there are a lot of things that happen in life. I pray for the wounded hearts right now, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would just reach in and touch the hurt and touch the pain, begin to bring healing, and help us to turn loose of whatever it is that's brought the wound. If it's our own mistake, if it's somebody else, if it's poor decisions, whatever's brought the wound, whatever's caused it, Father, we ask you to bring healing into our lives right now by your Spirit. And then God... If, if there's a better pathway that we need to choose, if you have a higher path, please, right now, speak to us, Father. We humble ourselves and we ask for your wisdom. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, about the path we need to complete our healing. We don't want any more damage to that wounded part. So show us the better path. And finally, Father, I pray for relationships. Relationships with people and relationships with you. Father, help us today to lay it down and say, I'm going to do my part to make it right. I'm going to forgive. If I've been offended, I'm going to release that offense. I want to make it right with people. And Father, if it's affected my relationship with you, I want to purify and cleanse and protect the relationship that I have with you. Let the Holy Spirit now speak to me about my part in this matter, what I need to do to follow up in this area of life and see healing. While heads are still bowed, I want to pray one more quick prayer. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room right now, maybe you've never committed your life to the Lord. Maybe you've never chosen to follow Jesus. But as you've listened to this today, you realize this, this is true. This is right. You realize Jesus did die for your sins. He is the Son of God. He was raised from the dead, and you realize you need to let Jesus become the Savior and the Lord of your life. You say, how do I do that? It's through words. It begins with the prayer. I want to lead everybody in the house in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer with me. Just wrap your heart around these words. Let these words be yours. Just say, God, I need you. I open my life to you. Please come in. Change me completely. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to follow you. I want your blessing in my life. From this moment forward, you are my Father and I'm your child. I will follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Pastor Ann's coming right now. Awesome. Hey, if you prayed with us and committed your life to Christ today, that is the greatest decision you can ever make. But it's not the end. It is just the beginning. And we want to help you get started in that walk and that relationship with God. And so we'd love to connect with you. We just have a simple little tool. We would love to get into your hands. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. And it'll just help you get started walking with God. So if you are watching online, you may see a link in the browser on which you're watching. You can click that or you can go to our website or our church app, click the connect tab and you will see a digital connect card. Just fill that out and we would love to connect with you and get that booklet to you. If you are here in the building, 
you can receive that booklet a couple of different ways. We will have some prayer teams available at the conclusion of service. They'll be located in the lower section of our auditorium on these open side areas. And they are there to pray with anyone who would like prayer about anything. And you can go up to them and let them know you prayed that prayer, committed your life to Christ today, and they'd love to give that booklet to you. Or you can also receive it out in our lobby. You'll see a next seven days counter right between the glass doors before you exit to outdoors and they'd be happy to give it to you there as well and also on the chair backs you'll see a connect card if you want to take just a quick moment fill that out and let us know that you committed your life to Christ today that would be fantastic we would love to be able to connect personally with you all right and you know this is the time now in our service when we are going to worship God with our giving and we just want to say thank you thank you so much for your continued faithfulness in giving together our collective giving truly is making a difference in people's lives every week here through our bridge services and the things happening here on a weekly basis we are impacting adults youth children we're impacting our Temecula Valley through our community care program during this last year we have been able to increase in our missions givings we're impacting lives across the globe and it is all happening because of your faithfulness in giving and we just want to say thank Thank you so much for giving. You'll see on the screens different ways that you can give digitally. And if you're here in the building and you want to give in person, we have giving stations located on the outsides of our auditorium exit doors, as well as one located in the lobby over on the side near the Bridge Kids entrance. All right. And hey, we just want to remind you, two weeks from today is Easter Sunday. We are so excited. I've got to tell you, yes, it's exciting. <laughs> we have fantastic service is planned. Three services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. And not only do we have great services planned, we are opening Bridge Kids for all three services. And our coffee bar is reopening on Easter Sunday. So we're all excited about that. <laughs> but it's going to be a great day. We really want to encourage you to invite your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. So many people may not go to church any other time of the year, but they will come on Easter Sunday. So let's do our part to invite them and just watch what God will do in their lives. All right. And then next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And we are going to share communion together. It's going to be an awesome service. Hope you'll join us next week as well. And it's just been great being in church with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> 